Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 79, live from our Hollywood studios with <laughs> Rachel Grubbs, co-founder of MAPT. How are you doing? I am excellent. Uh, I'm in Ohio, which is kind of like Hollywood in the sense that it's not. <laughs> There's probably a Hollywood, Ohio, I, I guarantee. Oh, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. We have hills in yeah. parts of Ohio, just like the Hollywood state, does. The yeah. state of the great uh, school, the University of Cincinnati, that is in the national playoff picture. Go Bearcats. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not used to saying that. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> they, they're going to uh... get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, they are going to get destroyed. You know what, though? We still got to be proud of how far they've come. You can be proud. But yeah. just look at Notre Dame in the last couple of years. They get destroyed every time they make it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, Verinia Granum, how are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. I like mm-hmm. how you changed my name there to Rachel Verinia. I, I enjoy well. that. <laughs> I, I was going to say something more about Rachel. Then I'm like, ah, I'm done with Rachel. Let's move on to Verinia. We'll all be Enough Rachel today. That girl. Let's focus on one. Yeah, yes, we'll yeah. be. We'll, we'll all be Rachel today. I'm doing great though. Thank you. A little, little damp and dreary here in New York today, but um, yeah. tis the season. So tis the season. And Dr. Scott Wright. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. I was going to, you know, everybody's talking about their where they're located. I am in Austin, Texas, and it is currently bright and sunny Mm -hmm. and 72 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Winter doesn't bring another catastrophic power failure for you. Another (laughs) snowmageddon. Did you all hear yes. the blizzard warning for Hawaii? Hawaii, yes. Ago? yes. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of that before. It's got a foot of rain in a day. That's crazy. I know. It's unbelievable. Um, well, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray. If you don't know who I am, shame on you. That's okay. I don't take it personally. And we are here to answer your pre-med questions uh, and pre-PA questions as well, if you, if you have some of those. Uh, we are part of the MAPT team. If you don't know what MAPT is, M-A-P-P-D.com. It is a software platform that Rachel and I co-founded at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, uh, and has grown to many thousands of students using it, tracking all of their pre-med and pre-PA journey, uh, whether it's courses, MCAT or uh, PCAT scores, PACAT scores, um, working on applications for AMCAS, ACOMIS, TMDSAS right in the application interacting with your advisors or one of us as advisors inside of MAPS. Go check it out if you haven't. We also do one-on-one advising as well. And with that, let's uh, let's answer some questions. So um, if you're watching on Instagram, hello. Uh, we are taking questions from YouTube over at mapped.tv, M-A-P-P-D.tv. There you go. How many hours of an upward trend is needed to prove academic ability? Are post-bac upward trends viewed differently than upward trends during a student's degree program? 
It's a very common question that we get. Uh, and, and I'm glad, I think, anecdotally, and, and Scott, Verinia, Rachel, I don't know if you see this as well. Anecdotally, I see the discussion of upward trend more over the last couple weeks, couple months, because I think we've been hammering it home to students. It's not just GPA. It's what is the trend? What is the story behind that number? So people are now asking, well, what is this upward trend thing? Or is this enough of an upward trend? Uh, or the flip side, I have a downward trend. Is that is that <laughs> doom and gloom? Uh, Verenia, what do you think here? I agree with you. I, I've seen a lot more um, questions about it in map chat. Um, and it's funny because over my years of, of trying to tell students that this actually counts for something, it seems like they're just finally waking up to it. Um, <laughs> so it's encouraging to to see that they are looking at things um, from a bigger picture and not just focused on, you know, the little granular details. Um, but in terms of how many hours you want to show, you know, a good like 35, 36 to 40 credits a year under your belt of showing sort of, um, you know, the growth that you've made from the beginning to the end, I would take more so like 40 to 42 credits, even better. Um, as far as, you know, where they're, are they viewed differently in a post back as opposed to doing your degree program? Um, I would say so. I would say so. I think they're viewed, um, since they're all undergraduate courses, right, you're still sort of showing that you've done the academic ability. Um, so at the same time, though, you're showing that now you've had sort of a kind of like a second go around to these courses. So it, it does show it carries a little bit more weight. Yeah. Scott, talk about the the master's angle of a postback. So someone doing a special master's program or maybe just a, a, a hard sciences master as their quote unquote postback. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked often that potentially that is weighed a little bit less. Talk about that angle. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, it is I think it's more difficult for an admissions committee to interpret what that means, maybe not as much in a special master's program, but in a in a hard science uh, uh, master's uh, program, I, I think it's more difficult to understand, you know, what that means. A lot of those hours are going to be lab hours, you know, working in a lab and and that's really just different than grinding it out in the classroom and taking exam after exam. And, and so that's why I suggest that students really uh, focus more on uh, undergraduate uh, uh, post-bac courses as opposed to graduate. Now, having said that, I think special master's programs are designed differently than a general uh, or, or an, a more academic um master's program in you know biology or chemistry or whatever and uh and so uh so special master's program a little bit different and a little bit easier i think for schools to interpret since it's designed the way it is uh specifically for that purpose but uh you know to to say a student goes into a uh, a hard science master's program it, it really is a little bit difficult a little bit more difficult for admissions committees to understand what does that mean about their ability to do the work in a in a gutted out sort of exam after exam kind of way which is really not what you're finding in a lot of the courses in a in a in a master's program yeah there you go some good thoughts there Patrick asks, if I have almost all A's throughout my undergrad, but my last semester, I got a B. How bad does that look? <laughs> B stands for bad. Wah, wah, wah. 
this is the the general uh and not picking on you patrick but the general kind of neurotic pre-med culture yep. of yep. oh my gosh i'm not perfect now what i i might mm -hmm. as well go go be a a carpenter not 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 talking bad about carpenters but like i might as well give up on my my uh, med school dreams mm -hmm. um yeah a b is not a downward trend no. right no. yeah that's why i picked this because i think we have at least anecdotally right it seems to all of us that we have created a much better understanding and awareness of upward trend but upward trend doesn't mean it has to be a perfect line going right up right mm -hmm. when we're talking about upper trend we're usually talking about proving you're a different student today than you might have been years ago you know, in your early years of undergrad or in your first degree or whatever, if you had a seriously low GPA, we're not talking about 1B. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're Correct. fine, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick, you're good. One B, and not just you, not all the B. students that were thinking the same thing Patrick was, right? It's definitely not just him. <laughs> not just him. Not at all. Um, you want to throw up Tara's... Uh... Yeah, it's a two-parter. So first, two -parter, yeah. Thank you. Congratulations, Tara. Got an acceptance. Uh, I guess she was on my IG live last week, potentially. Um, but uh, that's that's amazing. Congrats. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. And now the second part. So it was a DO program, uh, and DO schools. If you don't know, they are pretty atrocious with the request for deposit in terms of the dollar amounts that they request for deposit it's usually a thousand two thousand if not more uh dollars compared to the double amc which caps md schools um at i think a hundred dollars right scott a mm -hmm. um, hundred two hundred i can't remember there, yeah. there's there's a little loophole that was introduced a year or two ago with the new traffic rules um but the double amc that's one thing they do well is is cap the deposit fees for mm -hmm. MD schools. Mm -hmm. um, what Tara's asking here, she's saying, I was accepted to a DO program requesting I submit the deposit and confirm I will be enrolling in 30 days. I was under the impression that like AMCAS, we could hold our seats with the deposit until later. And yes, the, the deposit that you put down, Tara, is exactly that. It's a deposit to hold your seat. The language potentially they're using about confirming I will be enrolling, just ignore that. Mm -hmm. It's just a deposit. It's it's not a contractual thing saying I'm putting down my deposit and I'm coming. And if I don't, you're going to charge me tuition anyway. Um, I don't I don't know why potentially they have that language there. You can always ask them and confirm. Um, but what Tara is referring to from the AMCAS side is uh, are these traffic rules where you are accepted to a medical school, an MD medical school, you put down a deposit, and then there are um, different dates in the, the calendar cycle, uh, the application cycle, where you have to confirm once and for all, like, this is the school I'm going to, uh, and you do it within um, uh, the AMCAS portal, I think. Uh, and you say, I'm coming here. And then you, you basically tell all the other schools that you were accepted at that I'm no longer coming. I'm not interested anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there, there's a specific date for that from the AMCAS side of things, DO side of things, there really isn't, you just put down your deposit and then eventually you go. So you can put down multiple, multiple deposits for DO schools. It's just really hard because they're very expensive and, and you lose that money. Yep. Except, is coaching kids a sport activity uh, considered as leadership? So coaching, leadership, 
Yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always tell a story about a, a, a student uh, who I met at a, a speaking gig here at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. She said her advisor told her to stop coaching soccer because it's not related to medicine and it's a distraction and med schools aren't going to like it. And I said, uh, oh, contraire, mon frere. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I said, coaching soccer, if that's your passion – keep doing it mm-hmm. uh, because number one, you like it, right? It's, mm-hmm. Coaching soccer probably isn't going to burn you out because you enjoy it. You like it. And it, it could be a good release for you with all of the other pre-med mishigash mm-hmm. you got going on. Yep. But also being a coach potentially tells me things without you needing to, to sell them in an activity descriptions. It tells me potentially that you are a good leader, that you have good communication skills, that you have good organization skills. Right. All of that thing from being a coach. So, yeah, do it. That's the most terrible advice I've ever heard. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> so sorry. Not my advice. Not right. No, no, not no, my... no. The okay. other advice. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I always wonder when I hear those things like grain of salt, right? Like, yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're getting it third hand. Something's weird. <laughs> um, All right. Question from Amber. Amber asks, I'm doing a do-it-yourself post back online through UCSD extension. I have some C-minus prereq classes in Gen Chem to retake. Would it be okay to retake these through extension, or should I take them in person at my community college? Scott, uh, what do you think? Mm, you know what? I think uh, the, I would prefer the UC extension. Um, I, I think that that's going to be seen as more of a uh, a thing to an admissions committee. Yeah. Yeah. What about the online aspect of it? Are, are we kind of potentially over the online negativity with, with COVID going, hey, guess what? The world still turns. Yeah. No, I, I think so. I mean, we're still in COVID and there's a lot of there's still schools that are, are, are you know, solely online. And so yep. I, I think mm-hmm. we're still in that window where that's going to be seen as OK. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Awesome. Jasmine asks, can you talk about the post-deliberation process done by institutions after an interview for medical school? <laughs> Scott, let's let's have you, since you were the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern. Um, yeah. T- talk about the, uh, the craziness that happens post-interview in terms of accepting people or rejecting people. Yeah. So what happens is they, they, they take um, – they write everybody's name on a piece of paper and they get Put it at the in the top hat. of a stair a staircase and they throw them yes. all down the staircase. And the ones that fall to the bottom are accepted. And as they go, that's the, that's the alternate list. Oh I, I knew it. I knew you were going to go somewhere. Uh, I love, I love those memes online where the teachers are like, you think I grade all these by hand? And they just throw a stack of papers. <laughs> No, seriously, though, Jasmine, um, it's going to vary, uh, as most things do, by, by medical school. But it's, and, and I'll tell you two specific differences that, um, that you're going to find. But, but basically what happens is they take everything uh, in, 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 in iteration number one. They take everything that they know about you, the, the application information, uh, secondary application information, letters of recommendation, 
um, and the interview results and the, and the committee meets. And, and this is really the first time that the full committee uh, is really going to be looking at everything for each applicant. And then they're going to discuss in that meeting what they think about you and and they're going to you know come to a conclusion based on whatever rubric they use uh, of of where you are in their process and and that could be that they give you a number uh, that that uh, that is then ranked according er, everybody's ranked according to that number and that number is going to take into consideration everything uh and uh and then and then they make a decision you know and and then they make uh acceptance uh uh they they offer acceptances to to students based on uh based on that number or based on uh what rubric you know they're using now the second iteration is some medical schools once you interview the interview becomes everything uh, they're going to really look outside of the numbers. They're going to look, you know, uh, some medical schools say, once we invite you for an interview, we have deemed you acceptable in terms of your academic ability. So the numbers are, are, are not a part of, of the process. And they're, they're going to really be looking at the, the non-number related stuff like letters and, and like, uh, and, and most importantly, like uh, your interview uh, results and so, yeah. and then they're going to make a decision about what they what they think, and and either offer you a position, or they're going to um, put you on a on a pending list or a waiting list of some sort, uh, or they're going to reject you outright because of the interview. It really boils down to those three options. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, every school is going to be a little bit different with yep. you, uh, and there are a few different ways of handling it. Yep. But this also, if I could add, this also just sort of highlights how it could come down to just your interview. You know, yeah. if when oh, all yeah. things are equal, um, you really want to try to connect with them, be mm -hmm. who you are, just be a yeah. normal person. Yeah. Um, don't go in there trying to sell them anything about yourself or impress them in any other way than you already have. Um, just really, we talk about this all the time, just sit with them, have a conversation about who you are and, and you know, what you're hoping to do as a physician. Because yep. it can come down to that. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. if you need some help with your interview mm -hmm. prep, yep. practice, guess what practice. We, do? Yep. We, yes. we, we do some yes. interview prep. Practice, <laughs> practice. I didn't even have to make that banner. It was already made. <laughs> interview prep should be bullet points, not scripts. Yeah. Think right. about what you're going to say, but don't have every word memorized. Yep. There you go. And at a, a very uh, <laughs> inexpensive uh, alternative to one on one interview prep, we have the pre med playbook guide to the medical school interview. Written by oh, it's written by me. That's really cool. <laughs> Maybe inexpensive, but absolutely valuable. <laughs> this one's a little crunchy. I think it got some water on it. <laughs> anyway, presumably that won't happen to theirs. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> I did get one of my very first Amazon reviews, and I think it's still there. Um, said uh, it gave me a one star, and it said the book smells. <laughs> uh I don't control that. It comes from an Amazon warehouse that was, sh it was shipped to there from the, the printer. Like I don't control any of that. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway. And, and one other, one other fun, fun tidbit about this book. Uh, another negative review I got um, was apparently at the publisher. Um, they, they obviously print lots of different books and in changing out from, from one book to the next, they put my cover on a 
kind of a romance novel. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> so Lord. The person had my book cover opened up and, and took a picture and put it in an Amazon review. Oh, no. Like, uh, I got the wrong book. So, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and the, the I like how you didn't air quote romance and yet it was implied. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the, the person that wrote the uh, the negative interview about the books, I mean the negative review about the book smelling bad. Yeah, that's the same person that posts on SDN and Reddit. Probably, mm-hmm. probably, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same person. That was the Fifty Shades of Interview Prep version. <laughs> <laughs> Next book title. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Wow. I'm gonna go get that yeah. domain right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be after. Right. Sorry, <laughs> we're way off topic. All right, Verinia. That's all right. I'm, I'm putting this on track. I'm on a roll. Katia asks, "Hi there. I'm applying this upcoming cycle and will be taking the MCAT June 18th, and I'm worried it's too late in the cycle for TMDSAS schools. I'm signed up for June 18th. Will I be at a disadvantage?" So June 18th MCAT timing is one thing that like I could answer every day and people would still ask, well, what about June 19th? (laughs) If we say June 18th is okay. They're like, what about June 19th? I'm like, ah, Scott, what do you, what do you think here? No. Well, okay. So I would say probably not, um, optimal, but acceptable. I, I don't think you're going to be at a great disadvantage by, by the June 18th date. That's going to give it until uh, somewhere around July 18th until you get the, the score. Go ahead and apply uh, before that. Yep. So that all they're waiting for is that MCAT score. And uh, I think you'll be, I think you'll be fine. Now, optimally I'd say, you know, get it in, but, but you know, most schools are not going to even start looking at applications until you know, probably August, yep. maybe toward the end of July and certainly August. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I just don't see it as, as, as a big disadvantage for you. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So I wouldn't worry about it. Something that, that I, I try to emphasize more and more lately is, uh, two, two things. Number one is, is that admissions committees, they're going and going and going and going almost year round every year, nonstop, mm-hmm. cycle to cycle to cycle to cycle. In that period between like end of June, July to August is is almost their time to go, okay, our class is set, orientation has begun. Let's take a break for two weeks before we start digging into the new applications because they're constantly trying to work on filling their class from the previous cycle before they dive into the next cycle. And depending on how big the admissions committee is, a lot of them are very small. Depending on how big they are, sure, they can have different teams working on different application cycle years. But the the majority – I don't want to say the majority. A lot of schools, as as Scott said, are probably not going to start looking at applications until later on in July, beginning of August, which is Mm -hmm. when you start to see students posting on Reddit, Student Doctor Network, Pre-Med Hangout of like, I got an interview invite. I'm like, yeah, you got it because they're starting to look at applications now. Right. So with that said, the later dates – I've been trying to hone my message here. The later dates, like June – july pushing it a little bit doesn't necessarily hurt you in terms of application cycle timing in my mind it hurts you more from a distraction standpoint yeah students need to be working on personal statement extracurricular activity descriptions secondary essays and if you're taking a later mcat date 
your MCAT prep is getting in the way of your application writing. And so what is going to take precedence? Uh, are, are you going to focus on MCAT prep and delay writing your essay? Well, then the later MCAT date's not hurting you. The later application submission is ultimately going to hurt you. So there's, there's a fine balance between it all. And so for, for this person, Katya, who's taking a June 18th MCAT date, that's fine. And you need to be working on your application while you're studying for the MCAT. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. We are all agreed on that. Good. <laughs> I'm back on track. I pay you well. <laughs> uh, uh. Cerise asked, how would you classify lab work? <laughs> Rachel's like, uh. lab work that is not aimed towards research, such as clinical lab experience. I'm not sure. Like, research is research. Yeah. Clinical, bench lab, wet lab, whatever. Yeah. Research. Yeah, I, I classify it as research. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder, I don't know, Sarisa, are you, I mean, you may not have time to reply or we may not have time to get to you if you reply. Are you asking if it can be counted as clinical? Um, I don't know if that's what you're trying to get at, but... As long as it's not lab work that's part of schoolwork, right? Like mm -hmm. lab right. work at school is school, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But, yep. okay. All right. Quick shout out for Wilkie. Oh, <laughs> Wilkie, talk. you got a shout out, baby boy. <laughs> he joins us every week. I He's love it. He's okay. not as famous as the bones or no bones dog. Well, but, this is uh, true. This I mean, that's true. over though. Like, I mean, people are done with Noodle. Like, he had his moment. Oh, yeah. No, noodle, that's a flame. All right. So, actually, a few people have asked a version of this question today. So, Jolene, Jolene, uh, is there a certain grade point average that has to be met for med schools to review your application? Oh, the mythical. Cut off, cut off, mm -hmm. the mythical cut off. Did you guys have hard cutoffs at, at UC Southwestern, Scott? Um, we, it, it's a little bit difficult to say, but we we generally would have a three zero sort of, not really a cutoff, but a point at which, if a student was below three, we would really look deeper to see, like if they had you know, to see trends, to see, I mean, we would look at trends for everybody, but we would look deeper. So it wasn't really a cutoff, but we would, we would, you know, think if it's below three, there has to be something really stellar else in the application that's going to justify us to really spending any time with it. Yeah. Vernia, what do you think about this? I was just about to say, you know, there are going to be schools that, that screen, for that and they're just not you know there's just nothing you can do about it um so it's hard to say what you know would it be great for everyone to have a 3.7 and above gpa sure of course but but as dr wright was just saying you know once once you get to below a 3.0 there needs to be something else to sort of you know warrant the second look um but like I said before, there are schools that are going to just, you know, they're just going to screen it and they're going to cut you off for that. So mm -hmm. you can't worry too much about it. Really just focus on what you bring, you know, yep. what what's your story? What's your motivation for all of this? 
um, and focus on that and focus on on really bringing that out in the application. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I was going to make another point and I just lost it. But <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. as you mentioned, Vernie, is, is you can't really worry about what the schools are going mm -hmm. to do. The only thing that you can control is you and your performance. And so if you have an undergraduate undergraduate track record of like a 2.5, then yeah, that's not great. But you know what you can do? You can do a post back mm -hmm. and get as close to a 4.0 as possible with your post back. Yep. And your cumulative GPA may still not be above a 3.0, but if you have that 35, 40, maybe 50 credits of a post back as close to a 4.0 as possible, med schools will see that. Med schools mm -hmm. don't just see that final number and go, ah, whatever, we, we don't care. Right. But there are some med schools that will just filter based on final number and they just don't care because they have 10,000 applications and there's no reason to look at yours because they just are overwhelmed and that's just their process. What you will find uh, and uh, from a legal standpoint, what you will find is schools are going to not talk about what their cutoffs are that they may have internally. Very few schools will publish cutoffs and that allows them some wiggle room to say oh like the dean's daughter is applying to our medical school and her grades are atrocious but we are going to accept her because it's the dean's daughter um and we can't get in trouble because we don't have published cutoffs so <laughs> you got to protect uh protect from the lawyers unfortunately yep but this also right. ties back to sorry I, I remember the point i was going to make that the whole conversation about upward trends right mm -hmm. um that we were talking about before and a pulse back is an opportunity to show that to show that you can you know bring your grades up or you know bring your gpa up and, and sustain in a sustained way mm -hmm. that's all definitely mm -hmm. rachel did you have a point they've all been made <laughs> you guys are great <laughs> Monica asks, is working full time in a direct patient care role seen as service in the same way as volunteering is? Is full time work compensatory for lower amounts of volunteer hours? Thank you. Rachel, I'll, I'll punt this one to you. We often see this question where students worry about these quote unquote volunteer hours. Like there's some yeah. mythical like volunteer hours proves that you are a good person and willing to sacrifice yourself for others. Talk about that. Right. So first of all, it's okay to get clinical care, your direct patient care, paid or unpaid. Being able to get clinical care unpaid, frankly, is a luxury. Not everyone can, can afford to give their time away like that. Um, and a lot of applicants that we've worked with are career changers who are getting you know, they, they worked as a paramedic or worked as a nurse. And that's amazing patient care while it happens to also pay your bills. So when you're talking about clinical, paid or unpaid is fine. Um, now, this separate question, Monica, that you're asking about volunteering, what I want you to do is reframe that to community service. There are some med schools that if you're reading their requirements, their recommendations will say we'd like to see clinical experience and we'd also like to see community service. And when they're talking about doing that, now they're talking about helping um, populations that are less privileged, maybe that are historically marginalized. Um, so, you know, that doesn't have to be clinical at all. It might be soup kitchen work. It might be Habitat for Humanity. Um, some schools care about that kind of community service more work more than others. So we do recommend that students, if possible, get some 
Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be trying necessarily to slice and dice your full-time job into, in, into community care work, right? That's just a paid job and it's with whatever population it's with. Yep. All right. Uh, ooh, Ben Beecham. Ben, following your guys' rule of thumb with Thanksgiving, what advice do you have for people who have yet to hear anything regarding an interview? It's mm -hmm. not over. So it's the, not over. the rule of thumb, for those who don't know, the rule of thumb is, is generally we say if you haven't heard anything interview-wise <clears throat> uh, in terms of being invited for an interview by Thanksgiving, it's time to start thinking about what's next. And I still think that that uh, plays into account, right? Verena, you said it's not over and you should think about next cycle without giving up on this cycle. Absolutely. So advice Agreed. is start critically reflecting on your application. What potentially is missing? Where did you potentially not live up to a standard that medical schools may want to see. And sometimes that takes some, some external eyeballs from an advisor or maybe working with one of us. Um, but there are lots of opportunities. And even in my application book, um, which I have right here, uh, in this application process book, I have a kind of a, a post-mortem, we call them in the military, where you, you I have different sections of, well, let's look at your GPA. Let's look at your MCAT. Let's look at your activities. Let's look at your personal statement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to really go step by step by step to go, what did I potentially miss here? Where can I improve for next application cycle? Yep. Uh, I will do a quick plug too. I know you just mentioned your book, but um, Dr. Gray has a series called Application Renovation. So yep. that's on um, the Med School HQ YouTube channel. Um, so watching those, even though it's a deep dive into someone else's application, not yours, might help you kind of frame up the kind of things you should be looking at. And also, I think we're currently seeking people to be on this season of application renovation. Um, so I had posted earlier a link. If anyone's interested in doing that, apply to be a guest. Yeah, yep. yeah we'll start filming those kind of end of January, February-ish. But at the same time, as I was saying before, it's 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 really, it's not over yet. I, I just had a student book. Um, with me this week for interview prep because they got, you know, an interview invite for next week and it came very suddenly. So yeah. Yeah. hang in there, but, you know, take a, you know, now's a good time to also start planning ahead. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. What you don't want is to decide in May, oh, you know what? I better apply. And now the applications are open. Right. You want to go ahead and prepare for the worst now so that you have a chance to make your application better. And then, you know, hope you don't need it. Yeah. All right. Looking for something new. We've got a lot of repeats today, guys. Some of you may need to go back and listen to the beginning. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. All of these are put out in the podcast episode as well, so you can yeah. always listen yeah. while you're driving or working out or whatever. Yeah. Spencer asks, I plan on leaving my full-time job come February. I'm taking a do-it-yourself post back and about two years out from applying. Is it okay to have a two-year-old letter of recommendation from a boss? Verinia, what do you think? Mm, not so much, Spencer. <laughs> not so much. 
definitely yeah. going to want to update that. A lot yeah. of things happen into, you know, between yeah. now and, and when you apply, a lot of things could change. Um, so you just, you're definitely going to want to get something more recent. Yeah. So what, what can they do? They want a letter from the boss. What can they do? <laughs> Stay in touch. Stay in touch. Right? Stay in touch with them. Yeah, absolutely. Stay in touch with them. Um, just check in periodically. Let them know. Um, let them know now from now. Hey, you know, I, I may be in the future. Um, I'm applying to medical school. I may be, you know, reaching out to you for a recommendation letter. And then just stay in touch. Check in with them periodically. Let them know what you're up to. You know, stay invested in and who they are and invested in that, in that relationship, um, beyond just the recommendation letter, of course, but, but, um, make sure that they know that, you know, you are still around. Yep. Yeah. So, so it's same thing for professors, right? If you really yes. loved your, your yes. chem 101 professor freshman year, and you're like, this, this person knows me and they love me and I love them and I'm a TA for them. Uh, you, you just say, look, Dr. Smith, Professor Smith, you know I'm applying to medical school in a couple years. Um, can I continue to stay in touch with you? Um, email you once a semester, maybe let you know what I'm up to. And then when it comes time to apply to medical school, uh, I would love to ask you for a strong letter of recommendation. Is that is that okay? Yeah. And I will say as someone who has written quite a few letters of rec, because I used to manage MCAT tutors, I, I love it when people do this. Um, mm. You know, if you're dropping me a five-line note once every six or eight months, right? Like, it's great to hear what's up with you. It helps me, you know, keep you in my brain so I don't forget. Um, and frankly, if I'm not going to write you a good letter, I'm going to tell you when you ask the first time so that you can find someone else, right? So, I mean, not not everyone is, um, some people are conflict avoidant, but if I'm going to have an awkward conversation with you, I want to have it sooner than later. So yeah, ask and see how they react. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh, good one from Antoinette. Antoinette, I'm in. Oh. Think we lost did we get Ryan. a little delay on Ryan there? A little bit of a lag. We did. Wow. Okay, I'll read that while we wait for him to come back. So Antoinette says, I am an older non-traditional, and before my pre-med path, I was a youth leader and I mentored teens. We also did community outreach projects. Should I include these in my application, or is it too old and irrelevant? I see Scott nodding, so or shaking Absol head. No, I, I I say go for it, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, I I don't think it's uh, too old, and I also don't think it's uh, it's irrelevant. I think it's very relevant, in mm -hmm. fact. And uh, I would definitely say, yeah, go for it. Yeah, for sure. For the audience at large, what's the timeline for including any activities? Uh, you mean what what might be too old, or, or when? That, yeah, what's too old? What's too early? Uh, well, certainly, you know, for for the application, if it's in high school, uh, you know, no, for a tr more traditional applicant, if it's in high school, you wouldn't wouldn't include it. Uh, but I would say, um, depending on some of it, depends on what other activities you have. For example, AMCAS, you only have fifteen slots, mm -hmm, and right. uh, you know, if, so if it's too old, you might want to, or if it's older and you have more recent stuff, you might want to include, you know, those things in mm -hmm. there. So. Okay. So it's all fair game. It's just, it's a matter yeah. of picking oh, yeah. the ones that are most meaningful to you. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. All right. All 
All right. Looking for some more new topics here. Yeah, we got oh. a lot of great uh, questions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have to uh, choose a, a winner today, too, if we. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, if there's one that really jumps out at you, let me know. Here's yeah. our friend Magnolia Med. Um, oh, I'll read it and then someone can answer. So McKenna asks, how valuable is networking through info sessions slash open houses? She says, I live in Texas and I've considered trying to attend as many as possible. Does it make a positive impact on application if they remember you? Uh, Scott, you want to take this one? Yeah, you know, I, I had this question uh, or, or we had this question, I think, last week. Yeah. For any, yeah. Something very similar mm -hmm. to this. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I, I would say go ahead and make an effort, but don't have that as your purpose for doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, make, you know, make the effort that you're going to make to attend those uh information sessions and open houses for your own benefit and because you want to get something out of it in terms of what the school is about, what the, you know, what they're looking for, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Don't do it for networking uh, purposes. I, I don't think, even if they do remember your name, I, I, I think that that is not going to really enter into the process of that they have in terms of consideration, because then it would be unfair to every other applicant mm -hmm. that had, not been able to attend a, an open house or whatever. And so I would say uh, if you're going to do it, and I think they're very valuable, do it because of what you're going to get out of it, not not for purposes of, of putting your face in front of them. Right. Great. Let me see. Sean asks, how do med schools look at a gap in clinical activity? I worked as a medical assistant over the summer, but I couldn't do it in the fall. I will volunteer at a clinic January onwards. Is the one semester gap bad? Brunia? No. no. No, they don't look at it any differently. Things right. happen. Um, you know, maybe you're in school or maybe, you know, something else came up or maybe you were let go from that position for whatever reason. So there's, there's a tons of reasons why you would have a gap there. Um, I wouldn't worry about it, especially not one semester. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Do you want to kind of talk about, I mean, I think I understand where the student's coming from. What's a more extreme example that might be a problem? Um, you know, if you're, let's say you started off as an MA and then, you know, four or five years later is when you decided to start pursuing clinical activities again. Uh, and that's an extreme example, right? So maybe right. like a year or two or, you, you know, something like that. Um, that's a, that's a much bigger gap. Um, and, if, and if there's nothing else going on during that time, that's not like clinical related, then that's more of a concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think another good example would be, uh, you know, you get involved in in several different things, such as 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 volunteering or whatever, and your 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 grades suffer because of it. Mm -hmm. And then the next semester, you quit everything and you, to focus on your grades. The the concern might be, you know, can you actually multitask? Mm -hmm. Can you do more than just one thing at a time? And so I would say, you know. Your schoolwork is going to be very important, obviously. You don't want to jeopardize that, but you also need to be able to, you know, have the wherewithal uh, to be able to do, you know, both at the same time. Right. Yeah. Welcome back, Ryan. Thank you. We missed you. <laughs> it's funny. I, I still heard you were like, uh-oh, Ryan crapped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway. You had been like a little jumpy for a while, and then you just lagged so much that I was like, mm. "This is." Yeah, my internet. But we did have a question I wanted to wait and ask with you here, so now I got to go back and find it. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> Lifeline, my formal post back has a linkage to a DO school that I believe I would love if I'm looking into general surgery as a specialty. Would DO be a disadvantage to match? So the dreaded DO disadvantage question. So my general philosophy on this, and I, I get to talk to lots of directors of residency programs and fellowship programs. And I ask them specifically, this is for my specialty stories podcast. And I ask them specifically, for osteopathic students, what do they have to do to overcome any sort of negative bias? And the far, far, far majority of them say there is none. We don't, we don't look at MD versus DO. We look at who you are and the research you've done and your step one scores and blah, 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 right? All, all of the general answers. Now, could they be lying to me? Sure. My general philosophy on this is it's more about who you are and less about your degree, how well did you do in medical school? How strong are your letters of recommendations from your med school professors and attendings and everyone else that you've interacted with? Uh, how strong is your research? Because research is a really big part of residency applications. Um, <clears throat> those types of things. Now, is there DO bias out there? Yes, right? I'm not denying it. But you're usually going to find it at the more, quote unquote, prestigious institutions like Harvard or Yale or wherever. Right. The, the kind of uppity nose in the air type uh, crusty old white guys running the institutions. They're still going to have a little bit of, of DO bias. Could you find some in some rural <laughs> uh, hospital somewhere where there's a residency program? Sure. In general, my answer to this is you'll be fine. And there's still some DO bias out there. Yep. So I, I have um, just a, a quick little plug for a future guest for the pre-med years. Um, Verinia, I know, I think you saw this video. There was a, a physician who presented to deans of osteopathic schools mm -hmm. and said, here are some issues that osteopathic schools are going to run into in the future. Yep. It was a really good presentation. I really liked it. And so I'm going to bring him on because his presentation was all one-sided without any kind of questions back. And so I'm going to have fun uh, mm. really diving a little bit deeper with him to, to go into some, some uh, questions and see, see how we can support his thoughts. Mm. It'll be fun. Should be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. I watched a lot of that video, but I got frustrated because I wanted a transcript. <laughs> I, I'm a read learner. <laughs> uh she says on her video <laughs> where she's communicating verbally. <laughs> Sorry, friends. All right. Uh, let's see. Lots of questions here about worried about your past. Let me see if I can find one that kind of sums it up. Anupa. Anupa, what? would be the best way to approach an ad come prior to applying about a very complicated and non-traditional application like people with a solid upward trend multiple schools retakes etc scott from the the former director of admissions side of things mm -hmm. um what was the what were your rules around interacting with students who would email questions and want advice uh, you know, I would try to be pretty open to that. Um, I, you know, it does get a little overwhelming and, and, and not 
quite possible to to do it all to to, to address all the questions that come in yeah. but i think it's worth an attempt uh to contact somebody at the medical school and say hey I, i've got a really complicated uh you know background and i really need some advice and and you know just see what they'll do and contact multiple medical schools don't yeah. don't just you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but, you know, uh, and, and I think you'll, you'll get some response. Yeah. Yeah. Typically before you apply there, a lot of schools will have different rules of engagement. Once you are an applicant versus uh, mm -hmm. a, a student just mm -hmm. asking for advice. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of schools will sell, just tell you they don't have time. Uh, they'll, right. they'll take the stance that if they can't reply to everyone, they'll apply to no one uh, or other schools will take Scott's, kind of route and be like, I'll help who I can, but I'm probably not going to help everyone. Right. So yep. uh, just ask email, phone, whatever works best. Yeah. 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 Um, right. And Anupa did say what would be the best way to approach. So I think kind of just to reiterate, we talked yeah. about just ask and before you apply. What I will add to that as a third point is ask before you give the whole story. Um, you know, I, I, those of you who've listened for a while know I'm pretty, I try to have a trauma-informed life, um, trauma-informed advising. It is not cool to dump all your stuff on someone who hasn't said they're ready for it. Um, sometimes I think I'm just reading an email and then I am elbow deep in a lot of trauma. And I mean, it's just, honestly, I understand you're carrying the trauma, it's a burden to you, so you need to share it, but you want to think about how, how detailed is that first email? The, you know, the first email is, can I have a conversation? Not, here's the tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. And the reason I'm saying that is not to dismiss anyone with trauma. If anything, I feel deeply for you. What I'm saying is, see if you can engage, then engage. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I would probably say, even when they say you can engage, still don't mm -hmm. write a tome. Nobody, nobody's Correct. got time for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Short and um, sweet. Yeah, and that can be really hard to do, right? So maybe yeah. you have to write a tome and then edit it down. <laughs> um, but yeah, think about how limited their time is and try to really give them something concrete um, that isn't just here's my life story react, but yeah. here are my concerns. Do you have advice about these particular issues? Yep. I, I have a rule on Instagram DMs. I, I do go in there and answer as many questions as I can. I, I take the approach that, that Scott takes of like, I, I'm going to help as many people as I can, but there's a lot of people who I just don't respond to. Um, but I have one very simple, e easy rule. If I have to scroll to get to the top of your question, I'm deleting it. Yep. You heard it here, folks. If you want Ryan to answer you, keep it short and sweet. Short and sweet. And that that yeah. that's a good advice for, for anything. Mm -hmm. That's good advice for an update letter. That's good advice for a interest letter. That's good advice for a thank you note. It's good advice for you know any kind of communication that you have with pretty much anybody uh, in the process. It needs to be short and sweet. Get to the point and, and yeah. end it. Yep. Can I um, can I share uh, uh, maps real quick with students and have them uh, have them see our mapped chat advising? Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're they're interacting with us a ton here. Um, but one thing that we can do is in mapped now, and this is still relatively new, is inside of mapped we have this advising tab. And you can either add your school advisor. We have here is this is general school advisor. Uh, if your school advisor chooses to interact with you in MAPT, they have access to 
um, your files in a read-only way and they can interact with you here. It's free for them to do that. But you can also, as, as an add-on to Mapped, interact with us. Uh, and you can see here, Rachel and this mapped demo account just going back and forth, having some fun. You can see Dr. Wright's name in here as well. Um, so if you value uh, us asking or answering your questions and you want a little bit more uh, interaction and, and a guarantee that we'll answer your questions, you can uh, sign up for mapped and then add this map chat advising on uh, as an extra and, and uh, ask your questions in here. So yep. Yep. just wanted to show uh, that. I love that you did that. And I do want to just say, yes, we guarantee we'll answer it. Um, usually we aim for within a business day. If your mapped account is blank, we can't really help you. Yeah. So um, take it's 30 or 45 minutes. Take the time to fill it out. Um, because, you know, the whole point of using that is that we really have detailed information for you. We can get specific. And if you just say, here's my GPA, that's not the same as letting us look at all those trends. Um, right. But yeah, take advantage of it. You get 30 days free with this code that I've put up here, 30 days free in the banner. That's plenty of time to do your data entry after finals and then shoot us a note. And yep. it's good practice for when you're applying. It <laughs> is Entering all that information. Definitely. Oh, just to clarify, Clemia asked, so where can we find the video about osteopathic schools? So this, uh, it was a physician, right? Has a video yeah. on his own channel, but Ryan's bringing him on to pre-med years. So that'll drop yeah. in, I don't know, a few weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll post a link to the video here. I found it. Um, All right, so I'm posting the link right now. Okay, so you guys can, for those of you who are live or checking later, just go look in the to chat and it'll be yeah, there. The, the name of the video is called Addressing Osteopathic Medicine's Vulnerabilities, The View Through an External Lens. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sounds very fancy. good. <laughs> very yeah. good. So that, that link dropped at 157 Eastern if you guys are checking timestamps. Okay. All right, got a few minutes left. Let's see. Oh, Canada. Sophia, hi. In Canada, it is almost impossible to get shadowing experiences, especially now during COVID. Any recommendations to the pre-med applicants that are applying to U.S. med schools? So this is definitely a, a common issue among Canadian applicants applying to U.S. medical schools. And the answer is really do what you can do. Um, are, are U.S. medical schools going to lower their quote-unquote standards because you're a Canadian applicant? They understand, right? Obviously, it's a very known thing, I think, for admissions committee members and, and people who have live and breathe the pre-med world that in Canada, shadowing just doesn't exist. And, and in, I think in one province, it's actually illegal. Um, so you just do what you can do. Um, there are, are some ways potentially um, to get your foot in the door through volunteering or maybe working in the hospital to where you have a back door to the relationships and connections with physicians so that it's, you can shadow through that method of, of you don't go to the hospital and say, Hey, I want a shadow, but you're working there, you're volunteering there and you, you run into, to Dr. Johnson and she's like, Oh yeah, you can come hang out with me for a couple hours after work. Mm -hmm. Um, so that there are ways. All right. One more? One more, one more. 
Kang asks, hi, I want to do phlebotomy as my clinical, but I'm worried that the interaction is too brief to give me a story to tell. Not if they vasovagal on you, then you can interact <laughs> with them for a while. Um, yeah, I think phlebotomy is a great experience, uh, especially yeah. if you're in the hospital doing inpatient phlebotomy. You're you're interacting with that same patient uh, over and over and over again because mm -hmm. you're gonna um, vampirize them day in and day out. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> and if you're a really bad phlebotomist and you have to poke them several times, <laughs> then you get a lot of interaction with them. Lot. Man, yeah, I have jumpy pains. Like I'm, I'm the one that like puts them through their paces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> After they've done my blood draw, they're experts. <laughs> but each, you know, each interaction is an opportunity to really just, you know, get sure. to know people quickly. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but you know, so maybe not one on one as much. But overall, yeah. you can yeah. the yeah. aggregate. Yeah, 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 yeah. the aggregate. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You got it. Well, folks, yeah. now it's time to say goodbye to all our family. Mm -hmm. You guys know what that's from? It's Or for those that are old enough, the old Carol Burnett show, I'm so glad we've had this time together. <laughs> you have to be pretty yes. old to remember that. Yes. Uh, I, I think remember. we should we should fly the flag uh, at the end of this like they used to do, uh, closing out broadcasts at the end of right, the day. Right, right, right. Back in the day. Um, thank you all for joining us. <laughs> flag is like pre-med grind. Yes. <laughs> thank you Sorry. all for joining us. We're here every Wednesday, almost every Wednesday usually, um, at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we love having you asking those questions. Again, if you want uh, deeper interaction, ask more questions, mm -hmm. uh, go check out mappedmappd.com and get uh, that mapped chat add-on, as we call it, um, to interact with us uh, here at Mapped. So, Verinia, Rachel, Scott, thank you for your amazing input and your expertise. And uh, we're out. Yeah. Yes. Bye, all. Bye, everybody. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.